just a wicked moment in cinema. The best part about it, and I keep saying this in all the best scenes that we pick, you notice that there's no music in that whole section there, right? Nothing through that entire exchange. And then just at the end where he says, he bows, always look at it, Daniel said, always look at it. But just as he ends, it's like, you know, there's just that blinking of realization. And then that's when the music starts coming in, right? Just beautifully done. Welcome to episode 21 of the 20 Digit Scene Review Podcast. Uh, hi everyone, this is David, one of the co-hosts of the podcast, and I have here with me always is Alex. How are you doing, Alex? Hello, I am doing well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't believe it's 21. I think we'll be saying that every time we do this, but uh, it yeah. is a pleasure to do this every week. And because we're odd, and I think that's you that starts. So what we do every week is uh, each of us pick a scene, we review it. The odd ones start with Alex, the evens with me. So today being 21, Alex, you can go ahead. All right. My pick for this week is The Karate Kid. Um, <laughs> this is the, the 1984 original, not the 2010 remake of the same title. Available on Netflix. Um times the scene i am i'm looking at is the 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 teaching scene the key teaching moment between mr miyagi and daniel so that's at the, the 113 and 24 second mark um also available on youtube and we'll have a, a link to that and so this is starring uh ralph macchio as daniel and pat morita as mr miyagi uh, in this scene of course mr miyagi reveals to daniel what in the world he's been learning by doing all these chores and most people, I think, at least of a certain age, know the movie and this scene and this this this, this lesson, I suppose, uh, very well. So, but for for the few, I suppose, that don't, let me give uh, some some context on what's happening uh, in the movie leading up to this uh, crucial scene. And so, uh, the the words of Mr. Miyagi um, exchanged with Daniel are, "I promise to to teach you karate, and you promise to do as I say." No questions. <laughs> and so Daniel's like, yeah, yeah, I want to learn karate. Yeah, no problem. I'll go do that. I mean, he doesn't say that in those words, but that's his, his sentiment being a young teenager. And uh, because he had just been um, kind of bullied and beaten up by some people at his school. And so he's obviously learning karate would probably serve him well. So that's 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 forefront in his mind. So it's like, yeah, okay, do as you say. Gotcha. <laughs> so Daniel and Miyagi uh, begin training, or so Daniel expects. Miyagi has uh, Mr. Miyagi has Daniel doing some chores to start, beginning with washing and waxing cars. And then he moves on uh, to sanding wooden walkways, painting fences, painting the house exterior, and this is these all these this labor and chores are happening over the course of several days. At first, Daniel doesn't understand why he's doing these things, but um, still he obeys his teacher dutifully and he does the chores. Um, and as he's doing them, though, you can you can see on on Ralph Macchio's face as he portrays <laughs> Daniel that he, he although he's doing it, he's still is looking back at Mr. Miyagi. It's like he's trying. It, it's clear he's clueless. Like he's like, why am I doing this? This doesn't make sense. But okay, fine, I'll go do it. Um, gets to the last chore, 
the painting of the house. And finally, Daniel expresses his frustration. It's, it's still, he still does this last one, though, painting the house. Um, and finally, uh, over the course of all these days, all these chores, hasn't learned a lick of karate at <laughs> all, which is what he was, you know, thought he was getting into. His, fr- his irritation comes to a head. And that brings us to this scene that I've picked. And so Daniel, he's just, he, he, he questions his teacher, Mr. Miyagi, and it's like, what is this? You know, and then Mr. Miyagi <laughs> responds, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've been fishing, but you, you've been training. <laughs> training? What? I've been I've been doing your chores, and I've been busting my butt, just doing all this stuff. Just forget it, man. This is, you know, and then he just all swears and this and that. Um, and he, he's about to quit because he just doesn't think Mr. Miyagi's going to teach him any karate. He's just going <laughs> to get him to do this child labor for the, <laughs> forever. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi stops him from leaving with a firm voice. Uh, Daniel-san, <laughs> come back. <laughs> and so... And then through the course of the scene, he has Daniel repeat the movements that he's been doing all these days and doing these chores. Um, and he shows him how these moves were actually uh, a basis for defensive techniques in, in combat. So one by one, he has Daniel show him, uh, you know, show me, wax on, wax off. And, and then Daniel does the motions and stuff, uh, sand the floor, paint the fence, paint the house, and all of them. And all of them are, are used, he shows, to block and parry incoming attacks and so the wisdom of the masters is finally revealed and humbled daniel finally gets it and and from this point on in the film uh more explicit uh, karate training uh, proceeds so this was just a, an extremely memorable and and popular scene in the in the late 80s and 90s and i picked this because of what it shows about teaching and learning teacher and student expert and beginner Right, and it and it isn't just about uh, karate. It's it's really about most subjects that are studied in life, uh, in, in school, or or just things that you tr- you train and study for. That there's there's value in what seems to the beginner to be boring or repetitive and useless, <laughs> but more importantly, also we see here that the teacher or the expert has vast experience that the beginner just simply doesn't have. Right, and. Um, this experience and the collective learning of the teachers and the experts uh, of the art or craft or subject in the field, uh, e- even in the years or even decades and centuries past, it it all combines together. And it, there's just this tremendous value and a treasure that the beginner should avail of and just humbly and uh, gratefully accept it. And there's that quote, of course, from uh, attributed to Einstein that if I'm so great, it's because I've stood on the shoulders of giants. Meaning mm-hmm. the, the scientists that are, that came before him have have done a lot of the the foundational work and and figured things out so that he can just take that and and go on with it. So same thing with the teacher and student that the teachers has learned a lot of things already in life and and figured a lot of stuff out and it's more of just you know trust me I've already been there I've I've <laughs> suffered the blows and and made the mistakes so you don't have to so just listen to me and perhaps this is hardest for for the student is to have faith in the teacher and have patience to do the exercises even if uh, on the surface as daniel showed you, you, it's not clear and it's not obvious and, and they don't get it and so wrapping it up here uh from time to time i i teach or mentor others uh whether it's in music or computer stuff or or even in parenting right so i appreciate this scene uh, from that perspective so what did you think well you you couldn't have picked a more famous scene i mean I guess part of growing up 
our generation, this this scene is is probably in people's top five, top ten. I, I would argue that it's probably there. It's probably it is the most infamous scene from the movie. It's the one I remember the one the most of. So if I were to pick one, this is definitely it. There was a lot. There's a lot to it here. I mean, it's incredibly well acted. Of course, you have Palmaccio and Mr. Miyagi, phenomenal. But you know, Daniel Russo. If you look at his eyes and his just the sheer realization as as he's doing things. It's just so well done. It's so perfect in so many ways. I mean, outside of the philosophical aspects that you clearly, it was great that you you tied into life, which is fantastic. I I couldn't agree more. But there's just so many things that worked in the scene. So many things. Uh, the the interplay between them, um, the uh, the acting and the lyric. Uh, sorry, the uh, the script. Uh, just so many things. You know, it's like, paint, you know, show me, sand the floor, right? And it's like, he goes, <laughs> yeah. okay, I'm going to go down there and sand the floor. And I say, ay, 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 ay. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just so yeah, much, yeah. just so many things you can pick out of. Uh, f- firm, he was firm when he needed to be, gentle when he needed to be. Uh, yeah. I, I even like yeah. the little thing when he does at the beginning. He's like, I can't move my shoulder. And he's like... <laughs> he puts that thing and says, how'd you do that? How'd you do that? And then <laughs> just, just so many, so many exchanges that are so memorable and it just works. And and I think I was, I remember the first time when I watched it, I, w- I felt like Daniel, I felt like Daniel said too, man. I, I, yeah, I didn't know yeah. what he was doing. He was making him do all these chores. <laughs> and when, when he started doing that, I, I was, I was right there with Daniel, you know, it's like, oh me. <laughs> Paint the fence up, down, up, down, side, side. And he's like, and then at the end where he's like, wah, wah, wah. And he's like, blocking. <laughs> Throw me, send the floor. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, yeah. Almost in, un, just surprising himself that he was doing these moves. Yeah. And, and yeah. The, the point is that it's being drilled. That, you know, he's been doing all these chores. And it's not only is it strengthening his arms and everything else. And, you know, let's set aside the realism for a minute. Just the, yep. the sheer yep. fact of him doing those repeated exercises and just being reflex, it was just a wicked moment, right? Just a wicked <laughs> yeah. moment in cinema, <laughs> wicked moment in the movie. And, and you know, the, the best part about it, and I keep saying this in all the best scenes that we pick, you notice that there's no music in that whole section there, right? Nothing oh, yeah. okay. through that entire exchange. And then just at the end where he says, he bows, always look at Daniel said, always look at <laughs> But just as he ends, it's like he bows and he's like, you know, there's just that blinking of realization. And the and that's yeah, when the, the eureka the moment. Yeah, that the, yeah, exactly. The eureka moment. And that's when the music starts coming in, right? This is like the little, uh, the wind, uh, mm-hmm. the, the sort of the Asian um, wind. Pamphlet. Uh, winds yeah. coming <laughs> in, right? And it's just, yeah. just beautifully done in so many ways and then and then you know as he's walking out he's 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 practicing the motions that he did and yeah there's there's I, and who doesn't don't you remember in the schoolyard everyone was like wax on wax off wax yeah on, absolutely wax off. Like it was like it was just part of our growing up 
<laughs> yeah, like is... everybody knew, whack, you know, and they, it, if there were internet memes at the time, oh. those, that would be a, a gif, right? And that just people just knew that for it, wax on, wax off, and, and they would make fun of it, or, or they would just, you know, it was just a shared cultural thing for everyone yeah. in the 80s and 90s for like a good 10, 15 years. Powerful cultural phenomenons of the time. No question about it. Yeah. And, you know, you look at the series Corporate Kai now, and it's been revitalized with the very same actors. And <laughs> you can see the nostalgia just still there Absolutely. from that time. And you know, there's just so much that was done so well in that first movie. And I remember watching it again, watching that scene, and it was just as good. You know, the second, third, fourth, and fifth time around, I, I could. There's just it just fills you with so much like, I don't know what it is, but joy maybe. It just it's just so good. Uh-huh. It's a point of inspiration. You know, there's a lot of these uh, yep. inspirational movie or inspirational like clips and stuff and out there that are that are edited together. Sometimes I just watch this one. <laughs> just, <laughs> uh, so I I even I'll I'll admit this too, and this was before YouTube was a major thing. No, it wasn't before YouTube, but it was before it was mainstream i'd say i actually convinced i don't know how i did this i worked in this this finance department i convinced members of that staff to recreate portions of this exact scene (laughs) yep yep and i was mr miyagi man i loved it we had a we had had an employee one of his name was daniel of course he was daniel's son right i gave him a bandana and we had this you know, cheesy, you know, <laughs> mid two thousand video. Yeah, it was epic, man. It was epic. Definitely going to show that. In the, <laughs> if I can. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, that must have been a real hit. A hit amongst the uh, oh, yeah. colleagues. Up, yeah. down, up, <laughs> down. Oh yeah, loved every minute of it. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> so great pick, great pick. Okay. All right, let's move on. So what uh, what have you got for us in your opinion? Uh, if I couldn't even be more excited to talk about, it's hard, but to be more excited about to, to talk about my portion of this episode, uh, I have brought today an episode from, I think, one of the, mo- the best, the best sci- science fiction series of all time. By far and large, the best now, currently, uh, The Expanse. The scene that I have picked is from scene, uh, season two, episode two, and mm-hmm. is the assault on the spin station. So <clears throat> just to give a little bit of context as to what's going on here, there are some hostiles on this station, and it's spinning uh, because, well, that's how you generate gravity artificially. Um, and there is uh, a boarding team that consists of two ships, um, one carrying the people that are trying to board the space station and the other, which is more of like, um, let's call it a, a fighter space shuttle, let's call it. And that's supposed to provide cover uh, for the boarding team by taking out any of the defenses from the spin station. Now, the one thing that the Expanse does extremely well is its attention to science and in particular gravity there is no other sci-fi uh series or movie that pays attention to it like the expanse 
and it is littered throughout everything within it, whether it's the people, the belters that live uh, on, that grew up on space stations. And so um, they actually look leaner, skinnier, longer because they're not impacted by gravity to this scene where you see when they start doing hard G maneuvers, you can see the actors grimacing, uh, strapped in heavily um, as they try to uh, manage those high G maneuvers. Uh, the other amazing thing about uh, the expanse in this scene in particular, um, the battle scene here is the attention to detail of how those battles take place and how uh, they've taken into account the science and the gravity. So we've watched, we grew up watching Star Trek and Star Wars, uh, great in their own rights, but in particular Star Wars, for example, doesn't take into account the space um, physics at all. Like it, they basically, the ships are still designed and look as if they're supposed to be, you know, maneuvering and atmospheric gravity. Whereas these, mm -hmm. uh, you can see right away um, uh, that that they're paying attention to every detail when it comes to space battles. So in the beginning, uh, what's happening is um, the Rosinante, which is the warship or the, the, the little ship that's trying to provide cover for the boarding party, is hiding under the cover of the main ship. It spins off um, the ship in the beginning parts of this episode to, to, to mimic that of like space junk. So it's not powered on or anything like that. And it's trying to get as close as possible to the space station without being detected. And at that point, you know, it powers on, uh, discovers the stealth ship, and the battle ensues. <clears throat> so there's a couple of details from this that I will I'll point out before I, I turn it over to Alex here. One, um, that Rosinante ship is a Mars ship. What's cool is that you'll notice the normal lighting is in red, which is the red planet so it's the norm and then when they go into battle mode it's blue which is kind of maybe inverted when you think of it just um, from normal terms but the reason it's done that way is because it's a martian ship and usually if they go to war it's against earth and then earth is represented by blue so there's a there's a there's several details like this throughout the scene and throughout That's the series interesting uh, what i really love is the use of weaponry so uh the use of torpedoes uh, that's fired by the stealth ship. Um, you'll see that the Rosinante is maneuvering itself to intercept it using uh, PDCs, uh, so point defense cannons that are actually used in naval ships. So one thing that you will notice here is there's no usage of shields. There's no shields. There's armored hulls. Uh, they're all armored. Um, and so they're using PDCs firing, um, uh, uh, firing off these turrets in order, like a, like, a, like a curtain of steel to kind of take out these torpedoes, and they do do so to pre um, prevent it from, from hitting and scoring against um, the Molinari, which is the other ship. And then as they get closer, you'll notice that um, there's a usage of a railgun. It's kind of like a pulse, um, pulse, and it needs some charge, and it's pretty powerful. And then using these uh, points defense cannons when they're extremely close where the Rosinante has an advantage. It has way more PDCs and versus the other ship and that's how they eventually take it out so i'm going to stop here uh there's i could go on probably all night about the physics involved um the attention to detail on every avenue here but um i'm gonna just take a breath and get alex's opinion <laughs> and uh, all right thoughts here yeah so um 
as you had mentioned, or as you told me uh, leading up to this episode in our in our, our kind of pre-flight talk here, uh, that the the clip. I mean, we'll try our best to have um, the best YouTube clips that we can provide to our audience, so you guys can get a, a good view of the um, of the scene in question. Um, it is, of course, on Amazon Prime. Uh, so if you have that, you can watch it in full there. Um, because at first, just from the the first clip alone that you had given me, it was actually hard to tell at first which mm-hmm. kind of ship belonged to to the protagonist. Because it was just camera editing in terms of okay, here's the humans, and then here's the exterior. Here's more humans. Here's other exteriors. Right. right. So I had to I had to piece that together um, because I I'm, I'm not familiar with this uh, um, the show. So um, you gave me another clip, and, and that definitely helped to establish um, some more context. And we had talked. So and I also had a better idea of what was going on after. Uh, another second and third rewatch of the whole thing. So absolutely. Um, I definitely appreciated and enjoyed and liked um, the physics in this show, uh, the thrust and the rotation and the momentum. And, you know, just to echo your point, it, it isn't, it isn't vehicles kind of swooping through the <laughs> 3d space as if they, you know, they were thrusted from the rear only and, um, you know, as if they were going through air or atmosphere in order to have the, the wings. Like if you think, as you mentioned, Star Wars, you've got the X-wing fighters and so on, where you don't That's need right. wings in space because mm-hmm. there's no <laughs> nothing for the wings <laughs> to be no air. dragging against. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> so no drag, yeah. that, yeah, and that was great. How it oh, isn't just thrusters on the rear of the ship; it's thrusters kind of almost everywhere and everywhere. In all, let's exactly. say eight or sixteen directions, right? Because mm-hmm. you're, you're going to need to to slow down or or speed up or go left, straight left, right, or change your rotation and and all the the I guess the various whatever it is sixteen different things you can do in terms of uh, the directions and and turning. And then uh, uh, I did notice again also the, the, the G-forces on the crew and how they explained that, okay, mm-hmm. we're about to go do something that in terms of the battle we would like to do, but in terms of the humans on the inside of this shell, it's going to be tough on them. And there right. isn't just magical technology that protects you from we're <laughs> going to make a massive turn or we're going to accelerate very rapidly. Um, so that was great. Um, I noticed a little point in there what. The, in the first clip anyway, that the, the the people in the breaching pods, I was wondering why they were rattling and swaying if, you know, from the point that they were ejected from the main ship, there shouldn't have been any other um, forces acting on it. But I guess um, they, they had explained in the second clip that there's there's still a little bit of thrusting happening in terms of maybe course correction things like that as they're trying to get I- exactly towards the thing. But so yeah, they, there's a, there's a shockingly good amount of detail. Um, at least they tried. I think even even the the PDCs. Uh, I think there's thrusters um, like mini thrusters as counterforces to the cannon fire, so that it doesn't because in theory if if they didn't have that, the cannon fire would. Um, or the the PDC fire would would, mm-hmm. would 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 push the ship you know in, in an uncontrollable way, so there's just right. a lot of these little things that are going on, uh, and I have to say this the, they do a really good job too of educa- educating the audience um, just to confirm and emphasize the danger involved with um, hard accelerations like there's. There was a joke that um, Amos, one of the actors, was saying, didn't uh, they ever tell you to stow away all your stuffs before we uh, enter into high maneuvers, like in, in, in that first clip there? And then there was a lot of 
additional dialogue when he's trying to fix that thruster where if we make a move now you know amos is dead despite the fact that he's using some magnetic boots to hold on which Mm -hmm. is not gonna do much in a haji maneuver it's gonna be forces greater than the magnetics can hold so there's a lot of different little things that Mm -hmm. are going on and above all else just the entertainment value the music um I just find the battle scenes, what I like about the expanse is it's not too many of them. And when you do have them, the tension is, and this is, the tension is real and, and you really, you really get right into it because they do a fantastic job with it. Uh, and this is just one of the famous scenes from season two. I remember the one where I was first introduced in season one. It was, my jaw was on the floor. It was just so nerve wracking, uh, because you just <laughs> kind of feel the tension in the battle. And, um, that's what I loved about it, and that's why I picked this scene. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, further uh, other points I had was like um, I agree with you about the weaponry. There's, it was clear there's the the va- like other than the torpedoes, the vast majority or all of it, the rest of it anyway is non-explosive. It's strictly exactly. projectile mm-hmm. weaponry, strictly physics. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you say, the anti-missile defense system uh, that was neat. It wasn't just. Um, you know, number one, activate shields. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's it nice was... too is when they when they when they took out that stealth ship at the end, it didn't like explode and <laughs> into like a million pieces, right? It just like like it just littered it with yeah, just fragmented, yeah, like projectiles, and that was it, right? And that's yeah, it's basically perforating it like a tea bag. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. That was great. Yeah, and then all the the various important systems of the ship you presume are are just damaged beyond repair from that alone. Right. And it's not like you don't have to just contact a combustible source and have the huge explosion just <laughs> yeah, to deal with right. the thing, right? It's just you're just perforating the the ship to the to the, it just can't operate anymore. And then you could you saw it just floating dead in the thing. That was great. Um, one thing, another couple of things that I noticed. Oh, of course, you mentioned the FedEx, and I just had to laugh at that. Yeah, that it's was like, hilarious. Right. Yeah, I'm not, so one of the things actually I want to do want to mention is that um, <laughs> the Expanse, as good as it was and is, initially it was a Canadian show. It's based cool. off books from James Corey, which is apparently amazing. So I'm gonna have to read them. But it wasn't very. It wasn't a high budget affair, especially in the beginning. So. There are some questionable acting sequences in the beginning uh, season, some questionable things here and there, but it was really not a high budget thing at all. But one thing that is just sticks out regardless of the budget was just the battle scenes are just amazing. The best I've ever seen with the budget that they had, which is incredible. One other thing I noticed um, was at the end of towards the very end of the battle scene when they are about to to get into victory so they 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 creep out out of their hiding spot and then and the the pilot maneuvers them it looked to me i could be wrong here but it looked to me that he was intentionally maneuvering in such a way that he was um he was uh, evading the the maximum angle of the of the uh, opposition mm-hmm. turrets like they could the opposition turrets could only kind of lower to a certain angle and he was underneath that so that he could avoid being um, right in the, yes. the the line of fire, so mm-hmm. he was kind of like in a special band where he could totally open fire on them, but they couldn't return fire as easily. So right. that that looked really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, especially considering if 
there isn't a whole lot or any autopilot involved in that. That if he was strictly doing that just by the <laughs> by his by his wits of controlling the physics of the ship, that's even more incredible. But um, mm-hmm. one last point is, I see that they they just caved in terms of um, letting sound in space, <laughs> like depicting the sound in space from, there was, from uh... the camera angles of. Yeah, there was some. There was an interesting dialogue on on the internet about that. I might throw it into the notes. Okay. There was a there was a guy that mentioned something about that actually. Yeah. Yeah. Because I suppose if you're in a ship that has air in it, yeah, okay, you're going to hear the sound reverberating through yeah. the air that's in the ship. But if the camera angle or the camera the the shot the view point is from in space, then there shouldn't be sound. But you know, I I get it if we're in for entertainment mm-hmm. or you know uh, show purposes and and not for just sure kind of breaking the realism there that's that's fine to me yeah there was i'll see if i can pick it out i mean the other point is is that you don't have that third party camera view and in, in, in view in the in reality anyway so it's a, it's a stretch <laughs> either which way you look at it but I, I i'm trying to remember it i'll, I'll see if i can find it i'll, okay. I'll uh, make a note of it and put it in the show notes for our audience all right. Yep. Definitely fantastic uh, uh, scene. It definitely piqued my interest, and um, yeah, you should check it out. I might have I, to I really recommend have to it. Check this uh, series out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Okay. Well, I think that concludes episode twenty-one. As always, if you have suggestions on scenes, feel free to contact us. And I think that's it. I'm signing off for now. All right. Bye, bye, everyone, and we hope to see you in the next one. Take care. Thanks for listening. You can email us at scenereview at 20digit.com and find us on YouTube by searching for 20digit productions. And we're 20digit on Twitter and Instagram. Note that our website and all our online IDs are spelled with numbers 20digit. Thanks for listening to the 20digit scene review podcast. <laughs>